Hello everyone, welcome to another edition of Learn With Lena. My name is James and I am a part of Lena's team. For this episode, Lena sat down with Niall Dunn, who's the Chief Executive Officer of Polymateria. It's an incredible company developing new standards in biodegradable and compostable plastics. Now both Niall and Lena were so excited to start the conversation, they just jumped right in. So to make sure you're not lost, the first thing that they spoke about was around Polymateria's potentially revolutionary product. Enjoy the episode. So it's a, a master batch for solution for polypropylene in the first instance and polyethylene in the second instance. Mm-hmm. We just figured out BOPP, biaxially oriented polyprop, which is like your crisp packets, your, your wrappers, about two months ago. We have a grant from Innovate UK for a million pounds to bring the technology into PET. Fully biodegradable, no microplastic, no ecotoxicology issues. So we third party test everything. So any of these claims are not just our claims, our marketing. We test everything at recognized ISO accredited laboratories, this country, AMC. Actually, when I'm going to India in September, I want to uh, meet with CPET. So CPET are kind of the testing facility, chemical testing facility in India. It's big on the Indian agenda too. Big on the Indian agenda. Also meeting with uh, the Pollution Control Board in India and uh, BIS. It provides all the functionality of plastic, but it's 100% biodegradable. 100% biodegradable and also fully recyclable. So the issue with, with biodegradability... How much more expensive is it? 10%. Finished cost of goods. Uh, finished cost of packaging, I should say. What are the Unilevers <laughs> not doing? So mostly the knee-jerk reaction is banned plastic. Yeah. Honestly, that's what the government in Mumbai have done, that's what... Um, ban single-use si- plastic. Uh, ban single-use plastic, but that also extends into food contact approved packaging, which can be defined as single-use as well. The issue is, when you look at it from a, a full life cycle analysis perspective, the, the alternatives, whether it's paper exactly. or, or, or tin... Exactly. Uh, it's much worse. Yeah. But you have to go where the consumer is going. Consumer is saying plastic is bad. It's clogging our oceans, exactly. it's clogging our rivers. Which is, which is something I'm going to come on to actually in the, the, the piece around the coalition building to enable the right, mm-hmm. to, to right behaviours. Can issues. you reduce this in bulk? Have you established you can Yeah, yeah. we can manufacture up to 5,000 tonnes in France. And one of the other things that we're doing in India is talking to the Made in India guys, you know, Modi's um, yeah. whole Made in India initiative to bring online manufacturing facilities there to meet the downstream demands. The problem is the existing standards that BIS have created in India are for composting not for biodegradability so at the moment because our technology is not compostable it needs to be in the open environment it won't compost in industrial composting facilities because that's a false so environment. just leave it alone and yeah. it degrades leave yeah. it alone and it degrades after how many months days great question so the key reason that we're actually able to support the circular economy is by setting that date so one of the other key innovations in addition to no microplastic no harm in the natural environment is an ability to pick a date Mm-hmm. So when a brand works with us and says uh, the supply chain considerations are six months in use phase is six, end of life is then a year, we add all of that up and say, right, so for two years, we ring fence the technology. Um, you'll understand the chemistry. So it's a combination of catalyst and co-catalyst yeah. working sacrificially yeah. to basically mask the technology for that particular period of time. Because we're using tools and techniques from the automotive industry, so BMW and Audi have been doing advanced weathering for years to give you guarantees in your car bumper, one whole lab at Imperial is dedicated to how we get that date right. So we can say to Coca-Cola or Nestle, May 2021, if that's the date you want, you want nothing to happen between now and then, that's, that's what we give you in terms of a master batch that's good to that date. 
and we can shelf life test that, we can prove that in the laboratory. That then allows you to clearly communicate to the consumer a very simple concept which they understand. They may not understand biodegradability or compostability, but everybody understands use by dates. Because with our technology, you now have ideally a recycled by date so your particular packaging by that date should be recycled leave this in the open environment and then biodegrade leave it in the open environment and it biodegrades after the date but we don't want to encourage littering this is the key consideration yeah. we want to incentivize recycling mm. so what we've started to do now is use the recycled by date as the key thing that you communicate to the consumer and then mm. create an emotional connection with the act of recycling. So with Robin Wright, I don't know if you know the actress Robin Wright. Um, yeah. At the House I know of it, Cards, as in I watch it uh, on Netflix. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Jenny from Forrest Gump. You can check it out on her Instagram feed. Yeah. Uh, in Cannes, um, she posted to her a couple of hundred thousand followers the fact that she was picking World Oceans Day as mm. the day by which she was going to recycle these cups. So we gave her a cup. I've got one for you. So, so that's biodegradable. That's a standard Borealis resin. It's polypropylene. I forget the MFI, but that now has our technology in it. Also, if you read the messaging, that's good until June 2021. So just the messaging is quite simple. It's this, this is a plastic yeah, cup. It's, you know, please use me as a, and recycle me by that date. What we then started doing at CAN is allowing the consumer to pick the date by which they recycle it. Because nobody has started to create that emotional connection mm. with the act of recycling. Yeah, yeah. If you take the biodegradability messaging and you make that your leading calm strategy, the fear is, and the reality is, you'll get littering. Whereas mm. if you use this type of technology to communicate to the consumer, this now is a shelf life. Mm. But between now and that date, maybe you reuse it. That cup could mm. be used over and over again between mm. now and two years. But then after that... It's guaranteed recycling. Exactly. But so you, if you still need the consumer perception of knowing that this is not going to end in the ocean. So the Hugh Fernie Whittingstall show recently, if you kind of look um, at the, the, the case study they follow, um, littering is not so much the issue as fugitive plastic. So in terms of all end-of-life scenarios, only 2% of plastic globally is, pure, is truly circular. That's PET and HD mostly. Um, of the 14% we say we're recycling, that's PP and PE, polyurethanes, 8% um, is just going into what we call posh landfill. So it's, it's kind of downcycled in some way, shape or form. So mm. Bill wouldn't be happy, mm. Ellen not so much either. 4% of that is process losses. 40% is going to landfill and then 32% is leaking. Not all of that is the direct responsibility of the consumer. A bigger proportion is the consumer's doing their bit, they think they're recycling, but it's shipped off, shipped off to Malaysia or it's shipped off to India or Thailand and it escapes. Yeah. So we're a solution that says ideally the circular economy happens. Ideally the industrial circular economy we're trying to create kicks in, but if for whatever reason everybody does their bit, the yeah. brand does their bit, the consumer does their bit, maybe even the recycler tries to do their bit but they're at capacity so they send it off to Malaysia yeah. Yeah. and something happens, it leaks, well, then it'll properly it's return to nature. Yeah. Nature has the tools that she needs to properly deal with it. And yes, our motto is less plastic, better plastic, no plastic. But they're all three strings. Yeah. You're looking for less plastic, you're looking for better plastic, yeah. and you're looking for no plastic, and yeah. you can create alternatives that don't cost us more, and consumers are happy. Yeah. So all three. It's fascinating. Yeah. It fascinating. So when you're asked to run a business with a technology like this, that, that is pointed at plastic pollution is truly, truly purposeful. There's a couple of things that just kind of have to be right in order for the, for the, for the business to succeed. The first is integrity. So you have to have 
integrity in your science, integrity in the culture. I mean, this won't be new to you guys, but having a culture where speaking truth to power is not like the exception that you, ex you celebrate you know, every couple of weeks or months. It has to be the norm within the business okay. because your lab technician is, is, is the front line on the war on integrity. So she is the one who, if an investor tries to bring a cup of coffee into the lab, and that's like she stands up to him or her. Um, and, and when you hear that, you, you've got to be thanking, congratulating that culture of holding each other to account. Because if she does that, you know that when a lab report comes back from a third-party institution, if it's not quite making the grade, she's not going to let it out into the commercial world. Yeah if it's not past the yeah. strict criteria. Absolutely. So integrity is the foundation of, of everything we do, and we work really hard to make sure that that's not just in our organization, but any partners we work with. So yeah. you know, so we, we spend a lot of time trying to find the right partners who, who truly reflect the purpose of the business and share the integrity and the values of, of our organization. Perfect. Yeah. The second thing then is proper diversity, really being obsessive in your self-actualization as an organization around where you're weak. How many people in your organization? Only, or up to 20, as of yesterday we're 20. All PhDs, except me basically. <laughs> <laughs> they're all very clever. Even our VP of sales and marketing is a PhD in polymer science, so they're, 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 they're smart cookies. But diversity where we are constantly asking ourselves where yeah. are we weak from not just from a behavior perspective yeah. but from a skill set perspective yeah. and constantly yeah. hiring into that yeah. so almost by um accident versus design we've we've created an incredibly diverse um, yeah. set of capabilities internally and ultimately then really working to kind of make sure that that's better than the sum of our parts you know because we're bringing in people from madagascar people from india uh people from this country from ireland and so on and trying to create a kind of a, a properly mission-driven culture where no matter what your skill set and your background that everybody is kind of buying right. into yeah. clarity around roles and responsibilities knowing how we can kind of support each other and getting that whole team of teams philosophy kind of going internally you know general standing the crystal team of teams concept of cross-pollination where each part of the organization whether you're in R&D whether you're in ops whether you're in sales whatever that everybody has that symbiotic understanding of each other's roles so what it means is we work really hard at taking somebody out of the field and making sure they spend time in the lab taking somebody out of the lab and make sure they spend time in the field take somebody out of a third-party testing institution make sure they spend time with us so cross-pollination within the network where you create empathy because if you don't have that empathy, when the pressure comes on, the risk that somebody will take um, a bad decision or somebody will, will kind of short circuit, try to find a, a quick way through when there isn't one, is, is high. So that's kind of what I call kind of proper diversity, where you're, you're trying to create those muscles internally that are uh, better than some of their parts because everybody understands the different functions, the different personalities, and that when the pressure comes on the organization, you get better execution, you get better results. Mm. Which is then bringing me up to the final thing that we spoke about at Four Acres. Um, you also within that need to create a organization that's natural, a natural coalition builder. So mm. obviously, when you ask me the question, how many people are there in your organization? I say 20, and we're trying to point that at plastic pollution. So 80 million tons going into the natural environment every year, every year, 40 billion, sorry, 4 billion if you add that up by 2050. That's a massive challenge. However, the network around the business is incredibly important. So 
I know uh, from talking to Rebecca, you have um, uh, an appreciation of soft power, Jerry Hyman's, Jeremy Hyman's and, 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 and Tim's I, I love yeah. kind, of, kind of philosophy yeah, and worked with those yeah. guys a lot. And actually, this is almost like the corporate manifestation of that. This is like the brand yeah. kind of, if you're a brand, how do you take new power in and ensure yeah, you win? Yeah, how does it become uh, of competitive advantage, which I think Jeremy has um, a lot of the principles and the philosophy, but this is the how do you win, exactly. So um, the natural need to build coalitions when you are um, working together on something, thinking about what are the points of alignment that you can, you can enable the network to kind of pull in the, in the same direction as mm -hmm. you. So one of the, the examples of the ways we're kind of doing that is we open source the way that we test scientifically because what went before us was so, uh, <laughs> um, had no credibility we have taken it on ourselves to, yeah. to show the scientific data and evidence that yeah. prove we don't create microplastic, we don't, harm we don't harm the natural environment in any way, and we don't um, impact on recycling. Each of those has scientific evidence, proof and data and criteria that didn't exist before us. Yeah. So with the British Standards Institute, we have started to coalition build and convene, and last week I spent two days in Chiswick with Tesco's, with Coca-Cola, with... The Flora and Fauna Foundation with recycling NGOs like RAP and Inspen, yeah. not just our value chain, beyond our value chain, yeah. sharing that, not as polymateria, but just as people who really want this issue to go away, mm -hmm. but being able to back it up with science and evidence and data. Now, you have to, as an organization, build the internal muscles that allow you to do that. So my head of R&D, my team all have to be, this is unusual for an R&D team, open about sharing our IP. If you look at other examples of who did this and did well, Tesla. So Elon Musk mm -hmm. open sourced his IP, open sourced the way he was creating and building the, the, the because he had to take on the internal the combustion industry, engine yeah. and he needed to crowdsource innovation that would allow him to actually do that and believe in the Tesla mission and create advocacy yeah. for him and what he was kind of trying to do. So with the British Standards Institute, we're using that open source approach to our test criteria to not just get everybody kind of pulling in the same direction, but also punch way above our weight. Yeah. Because as a consequence of all of that, we will, mm -hmm. if you just play this through, take our internal standard and allowing the industry to, to learn from it yeah. Yeah. so that you would ultimately create a new PaaS yeah. and then a new global ISO standard. Yeah. And then because we've also, with BSI, worked with CEN in Europe and ASTM in America, all three of those big standards agencies are aligned around taking forward basically a, an initiative which is informed by our science, our data and our criteria. And is that working for you? It's working very well, very well. Because uh, nurturing successful coalitions is not easy. Mm -hmm. New power is not easy. I keep telling people, <coughs> new yeah, power is easy and old power is tough. New power is messy. New Philosophically, power is it seems easy. Anyone can write a book about it. But to me, the ones from a corporate perspective that have done it the best and benefited from it are Nike. That's why I think, you know, what Lisa McCallum has kind of written here in this book is, is whether it's designed to move or whether it's the girl effect, how they actually use both of those kind of coalitions to work on strategic issues for the business in a way that the brand ultimately benefited and the P&L benefited as well. So the other kind of point of leverage in the system where coalition building is, 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 is necessary is, is grassroots engagement. So obviously we're a B2B brand. We're good at, at, at telling a scientific story and evidencing the data of a very deep technology. So if you, if you want to go into how we kind of 
true hydrolysis and chain scission actually break apart a polypropylene resin at an atomic level and, and, and actually get excited about we can do that we can go there all day and many people come to our labs and love spending a day with us on that stuff but at the end of the day we're selling into an industry that is moving slow incredibly slow and not treating this like a global emergency and what we found over the last year because we're only commercializing in the last year is that you meet the r d team and the r d team say too good to be true and then they come to see the labs or they see the data and the proof packs and they go oh they can back it up let's do a trial now if r d decide what they're going to do a trial on they'll pick something easy or difficult and then because we insist on third-party data, we will then test, we'll create a product, and then we will test that at the CPED in India, our yeah. Imperial um, Solutions in this country. We wait eight weeks to get the test report back, and then they say, okay, let's talk to the commercial guys. So you talk to the commercial guys, which usually involves legal, and you, you, know, you kind of you spend time negotiating there. The last link in the chain is marketing. Not just B2B, but B2C. How do we talk to the consumer about this? So if you allow that to happen, lead to cash in our business can be 18 months, right? So what we have started to do to disrupt the entire thing is do all of those things concurrently. So technical due diligence, commercial due diligence, marketing due diligence, all at the same time. We insist on working with each of, not just the functions in those businesses, but the partners who support those functions to hothouse and collaborate on any question you could possibly ask us so that we get everything on the table up front yeah. and then we get all of those work streams running concurrently. Mm. Then you can get to market quicker. By quicker, I mean like six to nine months. Mm. It still, though, isn't, isn't quick enough. The biggest point of leverage in the system is grassroots. So bottom-up engagement, tapping into millennials, tapping into the crowd. Of yeah. course, we're too small to be able to do that. So effectively. So what we've figured out is that the power of celebrity advocacy is an incredible thing to leverage if you do it right. So the reason we went to Cannes and went to Robin Wright specifically is that we wanted to test the whole idea of the recycle by date and the emotional connection with the act of recycling and reframing the way you could talk about the technology. People start to think about plastic differently because the agenda setters, the people who set the narrative around plastic will have started yeah. redefining the narrative so that we can basically punch above our weight. Fantastic. What a story. But I mean, to keep us excited about plastic for 30 minutes is not easy. All engaged, all ready to act. Yeah, really, yeah. really good. Right. I'm so glad we spent some time together.